Welcome back, folks. This is Mark Steiner right here on The Mark Steiner Show and your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. Good to have you with us here. On the way to this conversation, I'll remind you, The Mark Steiner Show is brought to you in part by MeQ, Baltimore's Credit Union, offering a full range of financial services. MeQ, Baltimore's Credit Union, has been helping its members and its community prosper for the last 80 years. When you invest in yourself, MeQ invests in you. Remember, it's a credit union, not just a bank, belongs to you, and money comes back in the end. More information at www.mecu.com or at steinershow.org is MeQ, Baltimore Credit Union's banner. And let me also add uh, that uh, we are now counting down to... Monday will be our last live show on the air here on WEAA, uh, but we are continuing our work uh, with the kind of program you heard last hour, the program you're about to hear this hour. Uh, we're not going anyplace. Uh, we want you to go to uh, our uh, Facebook page uh, to sign up and become a fan of that page so you can continue the dialogue with us and continue hearing our podcast and get, finding out what our next work will be. Uh, you can just go to the Mark Steiner Show uh, Intelligent Talk Radio Facebook page and log in there and become part of our conversation. You can also go to www.steinershow.org and sign up with your email and you'll be getting our email blast daily to see what we'll be talking about. Our new column we're starting off called Notes. Our podcast is going to be available. We'll be collaborating with many people on some new work and we want to continue that. We'll be here in this community and all of the place doing that. Or you can just write to Valerie at Steinershow.org and sign up that way. But do. We're going to continue. And I want to let you all know that. So one of the people uh, who I originally hoped would be one of the new hosts kind of taking over here over the years, uh, but we didn't, we're not getting there, but she's going to continue over. She's not going anywhere. Is Dr. Kimberly Moffat, who is Associate Professor of American Studies at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, a noted author, uh, co-editor of Blackberries and Redbones, Critical Articulations of Black Hair, Body Politics, and Africana Communities, uh, as well as co-editor of, the, of Obama 2.0, uh, and new books coming out on... Uh, Scandal and on Disney that she's working on, uh, one of our leading thinkers and a co-host and guest host here on the show, Dr. Kimberly Moffitt. It's always good, glad you're staying with these two hours. It's good to have you here. Always good to be here. And one of uh, a person who I admire hugely is in the house now, uh, who has been working around issues with young men in this city and across the country. Often what happens in Baltimore, you have to leave the city to get recognized. <laughs> He's been <laughs> all over the country working with communities uh, and with young men in his work. Uh, and is also an author of uh, children's books uh, and Khalil's Way, um, The Green Family Farm, and more. He's the uh, creator of Dare to Be King, LLC. David Miller's in the house. Good to see you, David. Good morning. Good morning, Mark. And he brought with him a good friend of his. Good to have him in the house here for the first time, Mark Booker. Good morning. As, good morning. And is managing partner of education that, and co-author with his daughters of the book "Why Are Teachers Wear Yellow?" Wears yellow. Uh, good to have you in the house. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate that. And you all can join us here four one zero three one nine eighty eight eighty eight. You can write to us here at talkisteinershow.org by email. Tweet us at Mark Steiner. One tweet has come in, which we'll get to in just a moment. Uh, but do tweet in, write in, call in four one zero three one nine eighty eight eighty eight. We're going to explore children's literature. Let me start this way. Uh, an article that. Um, David Miller shared on his Facebook page with us before uh, the program that I read called The Uncomfortable Truth About Children's Books, written by Adashka Slater in Mother Jones last year in October. Uh, and just let me just read you a couple of things that really were kind of so interesting to me in terms of uh, some stats. And we'll just start this way out because 
Um, I'm, stats don't always tell all the story, but stats tell part of our story often. So um, when the Cooperative Children's Book Center at the University of Wisconsin-Madison looked at 3,200 children's books published in the United States last year, that would be 2013 they were talking about, um, 3,200 books, only 14% had black, Latino, Asian, or Native American characters. Uh, and 80% of the, of the authors were white people, most of those, many of those being white men. And 77%, they say 77% of the kid, people who buy books, children's books, are white. We'll talk about what that means in a moment as well. Uh, but listen to this here as well. Within five years, half, within five years, half of American children and teenagers will have a, at least one parent who's not white. Half of all children and teenagers from five years will have at least one parent who's not white. Um, and so when you take all those things together and think about where we are with our literature, um, you know, it, we, we are, it, 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 to me, this is, speaks something much deeper. Let me just throw this out here. And what it speaks to me is, is that I've often said and written and talked about um, racism and consciousness of race being part of the marrow of this society. And my guess would be a lot of people who write children's books in this society are really well-meaning people who are white, who wouldn't think of themselves as racists. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying they are racist. I'm saying that racism and racism is, is embedded so deep, people don't even realize it's happening when it's happening. Mm -hmm. So you have this development of consciousness in America, Black Lives Matter, things happening in this century that are changing the nature of society. And we don't see what's happening and bubbling up unconsciously. And this, to me, is almost an unconscious thing. People don't even see it. They, a year after the article came out, uh, you were on this program, I think, several years back, um, David, when um, we had the, the people, Walter Dean Myers and his son on this program, and mm -hmm. we were talking about before he passed. Mm -hmm. uh, and he talked about, wrote this piece in the New York Times about where all the, uh, all the books with black children, children of color. And then in the very next breath, the Children's Book Fair uh, had this big meeting, and all the people in the panel were white men. It's like, you know, tone, tone deaf <laughs> to the reality of, what, of the world, you know. It's, right. so, so I think that's where you are. So this is, this is your show in a way, David. You wanted to do this. So let me let you wax forth first. Well, I'm, I'm super excited to be here with you, um, Mark. Very sad that you will be leaving. I think you have been a treasure uh, in terms of uh, the radio airways and looking forward to some of the work that you're going to be doing in the future and always excited to see uh, Dr. Moffitt, uh, one of the bright, shining intellectuals mm -hmm. uh, in, in this city. And so I'm here this morning with, um, with Mark Booker because we really want to um, shed some light on the power of reading. Um, reading saved my life growing up in Baltimore, growing up in West Baltimore. Uh, Larry Jackson, who we were just at Larry's house. Larry has just written a phenomenal biography on Chester, Chester Himes. Himes. right. Um, Larry's father gave each one of us a, a copy of the autobiography of Malcolm X. And even though I was a junior in high school, that was the first book that I had ever really read from cover to cover mm. because I didn't see myself. I didn't see myself on the pages um, of the books when I attended Walbrook Senior High School. And so reading has saved my life. And for me, um, the journey started when my children were younger. My children, 21, 17, and 12, going to Barnes and Noble's 
trying to to purchase children's books, and I didn't see my children represented on the shelves at Barnes and Nobles. If you don't believe me, fast forward to 2017. If you go to a Barnes and Nobles bookstore and you go to the children's literature section, most people would be shocked how few books you see with black and brown faces or Asian uh, children or Native American children. And so I'm working with um, some really dynamic authors and illustrators across the country, um, working with new um, authors like Mark Booker, who's in studio, to really change the game. Um, we're not waiting for Scholastic or HarperCollins <laughs> or any of these other major publishing houses to um, carry our books. Um, we, we're doing it ourselves from the trunk of the car, um, you know, doing trade shows, um, visiting schools, community groups, churches across the country because um, children want to see themselves on the pages of books. It's, it's inspiring when you pick up a book and you see a child who looks like you and there's a storyline that's relevant um, to your reality. It's psychologically empowering mm-hmm. to see yourself yeah. and, and to know that you matter. Mm-hmm. And that's whether it's in the printed pages or in the media, which mm-hmm. explains why I do so much work about Disney. Um, I had my daughter ask me the other day about going to Disney World, and I said, not happening. And um, <laughs> she said, "She said, but you write about Disney. I said, oh, but you need to read what mommy writes <laughs> so that you understand that mommy is very critical about Disney and mm-hmm. its inability to represent you and what you and others like you look like. And so um, works like this that um, we see happening, similar to what we were just talking about in the last hour, Mark, about, you know, the community owning what needs to happen in our community so that our children are able to flourish. I mean, this is what I see that both um, David and Mark are doing for us. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mm -hmm. Uh, Mark. I'll have to. Uh, echo what David has said in terms of you just being a states person <laughs> in the community. We really appreciate you keeping uh, various uh, topics and global matters in local in the community right in front of us. We're going to miss you. And appreciate that. Great, great opportunity to sit next to uh, Dr. Moffitt and a great friend, uh, David Miller. David Miller said at one time, Mark, you couldn't roll with me anymore if you didn't have books <laughs> and, and, and it wasn't and it wasn't books off the shelf from the library somewhere you had to write one and so i appreciate uh the great relationship we have but but in terms of the the critical issue i think that we really need to uh mark be the change that we want to see mm. and we can really talk about a lot of data and statistics and we can go back on history about the dynamics of what's not and what ought to be done but we need to be trailblazers in a body of work and I'm uh, pleased that my daughters allowed me there 14 and 11 to really give them an opportunity to touch literature and so for me it has been a matter of um, let's write the books Let's make the books available to students in school systems at the industry level where it can impact pre-K through three. Uh, My particular emphasis is early learning. And if, in fact, we're going to make that impact about the representation, then we need to have books in front of children that will cause us to not have stories about how children are bleeding. We need to have them reading and not bleeding. And so I think that bodies of work of such of this here, we need to have them 
present. You know what you do when you said reading, not bleeding, made me think of a kind of a larger piece. I'm going to go right to the phone after this. And, and uh, Kaweli, I think it is. You, uh, Kaweli, you're the first caller up. We're going to come right to your call. So please don't go in. The other folks calling in 410-319-8888. We're going to get to your calls. We want to know what you're reading, how books play a role in your life, how do books play a role in your children's lives. Mm-hmm. And talk to us about that and what you think is missing, what you want to see, what you have discovered, though, as well. Mm-hmm. 410-319-8888. And so... You know, one of the things you said, reading not bleeding, and I, I think that sometimes we make a mistake that when we say that books have to be real about what our kids face, uh, sometimes you've got to, part of literature to me and children's literature imagination. is imagination mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and take us to places we haven't been, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yes. And, and, and I think that's part of why it's so important to do this. And, but when you take children to places they haven't been, Mm-hmm. Is to also, um, it's the it's who embodies that taking. Mm-hmm. What images are taking us there? Mm-hmm. That that's what we're talking about here, right? Absolutely. And so you know, not to give uh, a lot of credibility to why our teacher wears yellow, but there's these children in Fine. this book right here. They were imagining they they were going somewhere. And so I only with Cypress and Renata start understanding about the imagination was because children, when I go to read in school systems and I go and read in front of children, it is entertainment, but at the heart and soul of it, I think that literacy is a panacea to their future behavior to make decisions that are not antisocial, that are decisions that are not involved in juvenile violence, that are encouraging them to love their teachers and find a reason for education purpose for education too many times we have the issues about success and needing but i think really the reality of the situation is is we really need to have children to love literature to love words to, to love be, right to, to love sentences to be able to put words and allow them to have that imagination no no, no absolutely no that, that that you just said it beautifully i think mm-hmm. and that's what we have to do i mean that's that's i mean you know think about I mean, how you raise your children, how children can be raised, and we don't, mm-hmm. we don't take into account what our children can actually accomplish because we don't think of them right. the same way. True. Society doesn't. Which I don't understand why, because if anything, they're nothing but sponges that right. are right. ready to ready. embrace and soak up every single thing that um, we give to them. And so, you know, as a professor, I have always used three-syllable words with my children um, and had them say, well, what does that mean? And we have a conversation about it because I'm always interested in seeing what they can um, ingest and then be able to turn around and use it with me. You know, mm-hmm. my 11-year-old loves the word dilemma and brings it up quite a bit. <laughs> Talking about family vacation, she said, it sounds like we're in a dilemma. <laughs> and I mean, but wow. that's what we want with mm-hmm. our children mm-hmm. is to be able to experience words. I mean, I'm a lover of words. So, yes, experience mm-hmm. words and understand their power and their ability to transcend so many places. Yeah, my father would always... Uh <laughs> he, you know, my parents also well, used serious words when we were growing up. And, and mm-hmm. if I asked what the word meant or looked in the book and said, well, this is me and my father always said the same thing. He would hand me the dictionary. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Hand look me it the up. dictionary. Look it, look, it look, it look it up. Look it up. Matter of fact, my father used to say, go get the dictionary. Right, right. right. I'm saying right. to myself, Dad, like you know what the word means. Why are you going to tell me, me to go right, do right, that? Right. 
But, but now is, we just do Google, right? We, we do Google. Google. We tell them to go we, to Google. We, well, I will be honest with you. We do Google. My children prefer to do that, but I still have a dictionary, an unabridged <laughs> version of the dictionary because you still have to touch the pages with the words oh, and the sentences so next yeah. to it. You have to have your literacy together. So I, I, I agree. Maybe we're just too old, but I agree with you. Right. Right. <laughs> That's, that's important, Mark. And even in this, even in this age of um, technology with ebooks and, and everything, I just think, I think that there's something still beautiful and magical about having a book in your hand and touching the spine, yes, yes, and feeling and and feeling the pages and and taking young folks on a on a on a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the new books that I'm releasing in September is called Gary's Green Thumb. Gary is living in Jackson, Mississippi, and um, it, there was a thunderstorm, and um, um, he was he was uh, out in the garden. He was a, a little boy, and um, as a result of something happening in the weather, something happening, his um, his thumb grew up grew to the size of a basketball, and it turned green. <laughs> mm. And as a result of his thumb growing so green. He starts uh, winning all of these competitions in Mississippi, growing some of the largest um, tomatoes mm. and watermelon and cabbage. He, he goes to Georgia to compete at the state fair. And so it's a really, again, exciting story about um, a young a young person who's really into farming. Mm-hmm. And this magical thing happens to him. And again, his, his thumb swells up to the size of a basketball and, you know, kids are teasing him in school, but he learns that is nothing wrong to be different. And so there's mm-hmm. something very powerful mm-hmm. and magical about the written word. Mm-hmm. And we just got to make sure um, that we can get books in the hands of children where they can see themselves on mm-hmm. the pages. Let me open the phones here. Uh, I'm very curious how you think about books and books in your children. What are you kids? What are your children reading? What do you read to your kids? Uh, what are your thoughts about the importance of literature in your child's life? Uh, and maybe some people out there because they're listening with their parents, you can tell us too. 410-319-8888. Uh, you can email us here at talkatsignershow.org. Tweet us at Mark Steiner. I'll get to this tweet in a moment, but do call in at 410-319-8888. And Kowili, you're on the air. Welcome. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for calling. Uh, we just wanted to say that my daughter was fortunate enough to receive uh, Mark Booker's book, and it came with a pencil. And, you know, she has a lot of kids' books, but Mark's philosophy on, you know, you want kids to engage with the, the literacy, the, the, the writing on the pages and sort of interacting with it. Um, literally a minute after we put the book in her hand, she was going through the pages, writing things, and interacting with it. And I just wanted to say that, you know, growing up where I had books where, you know, you don't write on the pages or anything, I like that sort of slant on, you know, touch the pages, fill the pages, color the pages, write in the book, make it yours, you know, was a really nice thing. Thank you for that. Uh, I do appreciate that uh, your child actually engaged in that. And the reality is, you know, I think we have to have some what's called innovative disruption. Mm. What does that mean? And (laughs) so as example in our book, usually when you pick up a book, a children's book at the and you get finished with it it says the end uh-huh. and then parents or teachers or educators say well what did you read about it some words in it did you study they you, they ask you to engage well in why our teacher wears yellow is 14 activities in the back of the book that the child on his or her own can continue to engage mm-hmm. about things that took place in the journey in the book 
And so when Cypress and Renata and I started co-writing the book, we those wanted your, to those do those my daughters, right? We wanted to do something different. And so the innovation part was put activities in the book, not make another book with activities that the parent had to purchase. In addition to that, I was also guilty as some other parents when the child is younger and we tell our child, don't write in the book. That's right. Well, this time, the innovation and the disruptive part was to let the child write in the book because it was something about there, as you spoke to it earlier, uh, Mark, the imagination. The child was wanted to continue to have imagination and engage in their literacy. Let the child write in the book. So we put 14 additional activities in the book such that the child could. So the disruptive part is we're going to let you write in the book, and the innovation is that it comes together. Mm-hmm. That's great. Thank you. And writing books, I mean, I, you know, this is an aside, but we're having a, um, uh, a bagels and books event at our studio and offices at 3121 St. Paul Street this Saturday morning at 9 o'clock from 9 to noon. We have all these hundreds of books that have gathered over the years in the radio, and we're going to be putting them out there for people to, you know, buy for very cheap, like a buck here, a buck there, whatever. But a lot of those books have all my writings in them because <laughs> I write in all my books. Yes, right? Yes, me I too. Mean, I write notes to myself in the margins, yeah. underline stuff, and oh, let me not forget this and put a little marker here. I mean, that's That's, that's why you need the book. That's why you need the book. That's why you need the book. That's why you need to have the fingers in your fingertips. You got to touch it. (laughs) So so come on by Saturday morning. Get some books. Some of the kids' books, too. Get some books and have some bagels and hang out with us Saturday morning at 3121 St. Paul Street. But um, Melissa tweeted in. At Melissa Schober tweeted in. True. Uh, We had excellent luck at Red Emma's. Many diverse books with beautiful illustrations. The Ivy does well, too. So mm-hmm. she's naming two bookstores in town that right. do a real job. Red Emma's and Ivy Books from Falls Road mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. having a, a diverse group of books about four children. I mean, which leads to another thought here. Um, well, let me see. Well, let's, yeah, at least another thought here before somebody else new calls in a four one zero three one nine eighty eight eighty eight. Which is the idea that um, you know when we think about diversity in books, and you said something, and we started the show, David, about you know you you. you you didn't see your children in the books, right. which is a critically important piece, but I think we need to explore in a really mm-hmm. deeper way about what that means mm-hmm. fundamentally for children of color, for black children in our world. But before we get to that, let me just throw this idea out. I mean, I think that it's also important for society at large, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the norm to be right. children of color in the books that are written. Yeah. That their characters are there, that their faces are there, their stories are there, mm-hmm. their names are there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that if we're going to change the way we think, because mm-hmm. I talked about how you know racism is so deeply embedded in our culture and so deeply embedded in the, uh, in the human spirit and unconscious, that one of the ways to undo that is diversifying what everybody sees from the earliest ages on. So, um, you know, that's that's... To me, I think is a really p- important piece of this. We don't talk about enough. No, it it is important, and and and, and um, you know, I'm 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 mindful of um, of images and content. Um, about a year, maybe a little, maybe less than a year and a half ago, Scholastic released a book, um, a children's book, which had sort of this happy slave narrative. I don't know if you guys remember. Oh, I remember that, this. What was the where, book called? Uh, they were. Um, 
baking a, a birthday cake for George Washington. All oh, right, well, so some kind of pudding. Yeah, and he ended up getting taken off the shelf. But oh, I mean, man. yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. Again, who who controls these images mm-hmm. of oh, right. when I it comes when book. it comes to books and literature? And and I think I think images, and I I know um, Dr. Moffat specializes in the media. I just think that we have to be um, even more critical as we analyze media, images and media, content and film and books. And I just think that um, getting books um, in the hands of families. And I think as a society, we just need to do more around uh, media literacy, Mm -hmm. particularly with Mm -hmm. our own children. Mm -hmm. Because, like, when I'm at the movies with my children, um, they really don't like going to movies with me. Because I'm (laughs) analyzing. I'm pulling stuff apart. (laughs) And they like your children have some fun, man. (laughs) (laughs) They want to have fun. I'm analyzing, pulling stuff apart. And they like... Welcome to my world. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we have, maybe I'll let you finish that thought. No, we have to take a short ahead. break. Come right back. Angela, you're our next caller up. We're going to get to your call. Join us at 410-319-8888. We'll explore this idea of why it's important for everyone, but also what it means to have your image in a book. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, folks. This is Mark Steiner right here on The Mark Steiner Show on your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. Uh, we are here with David Miller, uh, who is a children's author. He is an advocate across this country uh, with young men, young men of color, young black men in particular. have been doing amazing work in this now in this city, but it took the world to recognize him, for the city <laughs> to recognize him. He's in the house. It's always good to have David in the house. Thank you. Uh, Thank creator you. of Dare to be King, LLC. And Mark Booker, who's managing partner of Education That. Does that have that right? That's correct. Uh, and co-author with his daughters of the book, Why Our Teacher Wears Yellow. And Dr. Kimberly Moffat, uh, one of our leading thinkers uh, and scholars, who's Associate Professor of American Studies at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. This is one of her areas. And plus, she's uh, one of the, our leading experts on Disney and race and our culture, which is really important because Disney has defined our culture and defined our books. 410-319-8888 is the number. Angela, hold on. I'm going to come right to your call. I want people to finish their thoughts here. I'm going to come right to your call. No, you, 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 no I was just following up on David's point. Um, you know, that's exactly how I got into doing research on Disney was mm-hmm. choosing to watch TV with my children so that I could check mm-hmm. anything that I found problematic about their representation. And and I thought to myself, there's something else for me to do here. <laughs> Not just make this about what I'm doing to raise my children, but let's have this conversation in another area that also benefits me professionally. So that's exactly mm-hmm. how I got into Disney. So let's open the phones again, 410-319-8888. And Angela, online two, you're on the air. Welcome. Thank you. Um, good morning. Good morning. Now, Octavia Butler may not be an appropriate author for children. Yes, she is. But I, would, I would say so. Yes, it is. Oh, awesome. Okay. So. <laughs> yes, yes. Talk about imagination. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. And I came across Octavia Butler late in life, um, not until my late 30s. And I actually am, I mean, I'm just so enamored by her writing. Um, the fact that her protagonists are um, strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I, no, I'm not going to say strong. Her protagonists are African-American women. Um. What happened? Our phones keep dropping. We need an engineer. So <laughs> <laughs> so if you can call back, Angela, call back. We'll get you right back on the air. Um, 
Uh, oh no, it's not your fault. I oh, know it's just it's the, it's the machinery across the glass, not you. Uh, but um, but I think that's right. I mean, Octavia Butler to me is. Oh yeah. I mean, she on her own, mm-hmm. the her inspiration from her work has spawned mm-hmm. hundreds right. of writers in, right. who spawn thousands of characters sure. yeah. for us to wrestle with yeah. for young people and us. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. she's. She, to me, I, I had the good fortune of interviewing her twice, mm. um, and mm. she's an amazing woman. I'm, I just, it's a total digression. I have to say this, though. So, I remember when I first met Octavia Butler, she came into my studio, and at first she had, she's very tall, right? And uh, she has this voice. Um, I, the first thing I thought was, I said to myself in my head, she, she's like, a black Julia Child, the way she sounds in her voice, <laughs> the way she speaks, you know. She, but she was an amazingly powerful woman. It's just mm-hmm. her brain and what she brought us. I think, mm-hmm. I think she's completely appropriate. Definitely, yep. definitely. I, I think the the images are really significant on the front cover, throughout the book and the stories. But as I spoke to you earlier, you know, we have to demonstrate the body of work and not just speak to it. If if we want uh, educators, teachers, parents, and school systems. Curriculum developers, K through 12, and others to see in the larger uh, book publishers. Then we need to write the book, and we need to put the image on the front for them to actually see what it is that we're asking for, and for children to have that self-esteem, and for children to have um, a likeness to see themselves, that they can believe in themselves, and then they can do it. It's part of their success. We have to touch it, and they have to see it. Mm-hmm. So if they mm-hmm. on the front cover, and we demonstrate that girls and boys, then we're in a situation where they can say, oh, that looks like me, and I can do that. Otherwise, it's like, it's kind of unimaginary that it would be them. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's, that's this is the, the importance of changing this, and I think that, you all are doing it on the ground by just, but as you both said, not waiting for Harper Collins, not waiting for things. You're just producing your books and putting them out there. And if we need to, if we need to collaborate with with the uh, the big booksellers, you know, yeah, the will. level of our uh, back office and the level of our intelligence, we'll sit with them. What's necessary? It's not a, it's a joint venture. It's a collaboration. We have right. the capacity, along with individuals at the Ivory um, Tower level with, with uh, Dr. Moffat, we can pull it off <laughs> to get it done. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the phones here, and I'll show this. Read this tweet. So I'm glad Theodore Bracey tweeted in uh, at at uh, Sneaker Boy T uh, is his tag. He he tweeted in at the Mama Den. You're listening to at Mark Steiner on at WEA point nine now. Uh, hashtag books and the hashtag read to our hashtag children at Pratt Library at Red Emma's at James Shabazz uh, pick Twitter com slash uh, SK8U. So, uh, Theodore, thanks for that. Putting that out there, <laughs> letting folks know what we're talking about. Uh, it is important. 410 319 is the number here. And let us go to, um, and Angela, if you want to call back and finish your thought, please do. I'm sorry we did, didn't, I think something went wrong with our phones. I hope it doesn't happen to the next caller. 410-319-8888. Dwayne, you're on the air. Uh, yes, uh, I'd like to ask the panelists, um, in reference to reading, what can what can we do to encourage our young people to read more or to have or some or, or or what can parents do to once they get a child interested in reading to foster that and to maintain it because so many of our young kids they just don't read beyond what's in the textbook if they read what's in the textbook. So, Mark Booker, go ahead. I think the first thing we ought to do, and I'm liken it to what my parents did: get a crayon, get an ink pen. A marker and put it in a child's hand and then the second things you want to do is get a child a journal 
And I know in reality that girls have diaries mm -hmm. and it's so-called not hip and you don't get street cred for a boy having a pencil or crayon or a marker. But he needs to have a journal. And so when mm -hmm. parents pick up books, whatever level, when parents pick up books, have a journal next to them and there is a word or a sentence that the child may not have known. Build a vocabulary list at that early age. Right. Don't right. just get a coloring book and let them on the side of the lines and get colored. Pick a word next to the book, even if they understand. Take a pencil or a crayon, a marker or something, and get a journal. Now you're building what's called a vocabulary list. You take your vocabulary list, then you start building sentences that build paragraphs that builds what? Stories that builds books. Right. 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 So, right. so just just a, um, a couple things. I think it starts with the adults. Children need to see us reading. Yes. Mm. And when I talk to, a, well, most of my friends are average readers, but I talk to a lot of adults who don't read at all. And that's problematic. Um, I think that we need to structure time within our homes. There, there mm -hmm. needs to be time in your home where you collect the cell phones, mm -hmm. collect the uh, <laughs> tablets. What's the tablets? What's the, the remote controls? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's right. The Xboxes. Lock, Xboxes. Lock all of the technology up. <laughs> And let's spend some time reading. Mom and dad will have a book, or dad will have a book, mom will have a book, the children will have a book, and then we, sh we share what we're reading. That has to become a staple mm -hmm. in our homes. That's number one. Number two, um, I think we also need to figure out ways. Um, I'm really interested in raising money to give, book away, give books away. I don't want to sell books because I know that in a lot of the communities that I'm passionate about, passionate about working in, Families are not necessarily going to buy books. Um, for the last couple of years, I've been blessed to receive some funding from the Kellogg Foundation, where we've been doing some work in Jackson, um, Mississippi. I just took Mark to Jackson a couple months ago. And um, we do a project every year for third and fourth grade black males who score proficient on the Mississippi assessment. Um, we, we give them 600 books written by black male authors. We fly the authors in. And we have a huge, like, readathon with these boys. And we've been able to electrify mm -hmm. the energy in mm -hmm. this little town, Jackson, Mississippi, to the point that where. That has an incredible new man named Chakwe Lamumbo. Right, Chakwe Lamumbo. upside down. <laughs> going to be meeting with Chopwe in a couple of months. Um, but we've been able to inspire families by mm -hmm. books. Third thing. Um, I only give for gifts like Kwanzaa gifts or other holiday gifts, birthday birthday gifts. I only give books as gifts. And I tell have told friends and families, do not give my children toys or any any kind of electronic device. I remember that. Give books. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's something that. that's something that yeah. we don't need to ask anybody for permission to do. Mm. So let me go back to the phone. Yeah, so the two things that stand out to me, especially um, having a 13-year-old son where I had to do a lot to push him um, reading is um, I think graphic novels is a good mm -hmm, way to mm -hmm. get them engaged. Mm -hmm. um, his, he's a rising eighth grader at my charter school, and, and they encourage them um, for summer reading to read the trilogy of um, March by um, John Lewis um, this summer. That 
spawned a oh, number the, the of these novels. Yes, the graphic yes, novel. The graphic yeah, yeah. novel. Great piece. Um, great and so, I mean, the boys are plowing through that mm, particular graphic novel series. And so I do think that that is one way that we can encourage our boys, especially those that are a little older, to be engaged. And then authors like Kwame Alexander, who have really electrified boys to want to understand more in terms of literacy by reading the way that he has chosen to write in mm. more prose um, ways, I think has also um, energized boys. But the other thing that I would say in particular that we have made a point of doing at home is always building and expanding our home library mm-hmm. so that the children always right. see books right. surrounding them. So there's one side of my living room that has the adult books. There's another side of mm-hmm. the living room mm-hmm. that the bookcase is nothing but their book, children's books. And so typically it's very easy when, you know, my charter school last year said, um, we need the boys to read Raisin in the Sun that I said to Niles, mm. go get Raisin in the Sun mm-hmm. off of the adult shelf because mm-hmm. it's already there for you. And I think our children seeing mm-hmm. books right. and surrounded by them reminds mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. the value of literacy and the value of engaging in that way. I'm going to go to the phones here, which is also, let me just say on the way to the phones, which is why it's important because so many homes don't have books. Yep. Mm-hmm that our school libraries are functioning with lots of books and a librarian. Well, we got to get the school system to be serious about, because there's schools in Baltimore that don't have libraries. Serious about it. There's there's schools that that don't have a librarian and don't have a library. Which is crazy. Which is criminal in the year 2017. I mean, I've I've been saying that in the city of Baltimore, Put the money up, let the Enoch Pratt Library System run our school libraries, mm-hmm. fill the bookshelves mm-hmm. in those libraries, on and make one. them work. Mark, that's a right? great point. That's a great point. In, in as much that you look at the colleges around town, many universities, even across the country, have a Barnes & Noble at the college. Could we not have a Pratt Library at, at the school? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. In our schools. In disruptive school. disruptive in schools. innovation. <laughs> there you go, bro. I like that. I'm going to use that. I'm going right. to give you credit, but I'm going to use it. No, don't give me credit. <laughs> We're going to give Dr. Clayton Christensen. That's his turn. Okay, I like that mm-hmm. turn. 410-319-8888. Let's get a few callers in a row. A lot of people are calling in. Jill, you're on the air. Line four. Uh, good morning. Good morning, uh, Jill. I just wanted to mention a few things that I've learned about recently. One is bedtime in a box that Strong City Baltimore is doing mm-hmm. along with reading partners uh, uh, through schools um, for preschool and kindergarten children. They distribute um, books to read at bedtime along with, I think there's a blanket and some dammies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in there. Um, so it's on Facebook if anyone wants to know hmm. about it. And he's first, from Baltimore. First, mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. firstbook.org has been working to make books um, available. I think all you have to do is pay shipping and tax for them. Or shipping, if they're on Facebook, um, I wanted to mention, of course, the free bookstore, which I think is functioning again. Um, and um, also, um, two online programs that I think are really excellent are Reading A through Z. They have all kinds of books and re- graphic novels and quite a diverse collection. And Starfall, which is for the little guys, mm-hmm. uh, dot, dot com. Um, I wanted also to mention that the school system has 10 reading centers. In addition to their summer school programs, they have 10 or so drop-in reading centers open through August 17th from 8.30 to 1 o'clock where students will be engaged with reading, with art activities, will get breakfast and lunch. And I, I was just at Hartford Heights, and there's one there. It's really nice. So you can find out where those are by going to baltimorecityschools.org. So I think that there, 
course, the libraries do have their reading programs this summer, too. So, right. Um, I do want to end with a question. Um, what can families who read do to engage families who don't read? Because I'm working with a student right now in a family that has a lot of kids in it, and they're not reading. I gave a book to the parent the other day, and the parent said, oh, I haven't read since high school, and that's probably 20 years ago for this parent. And that's so a really good question. question so, I have. So let me let me uh, our panel rest with that before we go to Walter, our next caller up, who's a Baltimore City educator. I want to get his call in as well as uh, Owusu called in from Baton Rouge. I want to get his call as well. So what about how do you get how do you do that? How do you get families who don't read? How do other families? How do you get other families to read who don't read? So while this might seem uh, this is Mark Booker a little absurd, but people who can't read can read. What do you mean by that? I just want to tell you what I mean. So when you go to the store and you buy something, you look, you're using your eyes to read, even if you're reading a picture. So somebody is encouraged to look at something, and if we have to start at the base level, engage them in a conversation about what it is when they go to the market. What's your favorite food? That's a conversation. They're going to say, maybe cornflakes is my favorite food. Well, when you see cornflakes, what, what brand do you buy? of cornflakes. They're going to talk to you about the brand of cornflakes. Well, now you engage them on cereal and you find something on literature that encourages their likeness. So we have to dig deep. We, we just can't accept that individuals can't read. Now, I understand literacy level about that, but the reality is people can use their eyes for pictures and you engage them in a conversation. So yes, you might give someone a book and they say, uh, they didn't want to go into the book because they have had a bad experience. Then start with a magazine. Start with a newspaper. Start with a flyer, a business card. There's something on a piece of paper mm -hmm. that individuals use in their survival to read. Yeah, not we really quickly, we just got to make it a priority. We got we to gotta focus on more um, community strategies to encourage families to read. Um, I grew up in Baltimore, and I remember the Baltimore Bookmobile. Mm -hmm. And that was yeah. a big deal, man, yes, with the Bookmobile. And sooner, sooner or later, I don't know, it may not be, I would love for it to be in Baltimore. Sooner or later, I'm going I'm going to launch a Bookmobile. Well, sooner or later. Yeah, David, let's do that, man. Let's do yeah. it. Enoch Pratt has a Bookmobile. They will do yeah. it. Oh, yeah. they, they have one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, they do. Have one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can, I, we can I get another board. one. <laughs> and that doesn't mean you, another one can't yeah. be yeah. had. Yeah. It just means they. I'm just that they okay, do. Okay, that's good to know. Okay, look, look, that that's why Enoch Pratt. I was no, I'm not on the board there anymore. I was on the board there for a number of years. Um, is so important mm -hmm. because, and why it is it has to fight for funding all the time because it is the place where working class and poor parents and people actually have access to computers and come get books which they can't get anywhere else. That's why it's so critically important to have libraries. I mean, they're just essential. You know, the fact that we shut so many down. Uh, 20 years ago in this town was really a crime. Part of it was because the Enoch was running out of money. And they didn't, they couldn't keep the, all the branches open. So the Park Heights lost its... And I grew up, I, I remember when the Park Heights branch was open and it closed down. Mm -hmm. Right, which was a, was a crime to me. And and they are still struggling. They still, right. yeah. I mean, the limited hours, the lack mm -hmm. of Sunday um, mm -hmm. opportunities Limited's to bad. visit. Right. Yeah. So they are still struggling, but I think um, I agree that they are such a valuable uh, resource to our city. We talked about last hour, one of the things to be able to fight violence on things in our community is put more libraries in our communities. Mm -hmm. If there's even small storefronts for people to go into to run, but that is where we should be investing our money. 410-319-8888. Walter, line two, you're on the air. Welcome. Good morning. Um, Good morning. I, I'm really enjoying the conversation. Um, and just to, um, to 
jump on the Enid Pratt. My, my, my kids are grown now, but um, they we went to Enid Pratt. It was like the, the it was free and easy, and, and the kids would just sometimes I would let my have had two girls, and they we would just go to the kids section and just let them go pick up. Sometimes they would get thirty books just to look through the pictures when they couldn't read yet, but. They found out the library is a place where you can do a lot of things. But I, I'm, a, I'm a Baltimore City school teacher. And I, I, whoever your panelist that talks about the images, and I'm concerned that we we get people on on the school in the school who picks curriculum to think about the images that the kids see. And one of one thing that disturbed me, I think about three years ago, on the citywide, the statewide test, um, you know, the, the Common Core test, that there was a story on uh, the fourth grade test. There was a story about. Uh, little white kid who went to Africa and helped get some wells. And it just I was just thinking, this room full of black kids, and they see a hero as a white boy. It was a good story, which is great. Right. But there are some stories that they could be this important test. They could have some images of people, you know, young black kids doing heroic things. And, of mm-hmm. course, we have all kinds of stories about that, but it's just the images. And also, the last thing, I don't know if you guys know that we in Baltimore City, there's a Dr. Seuss Day or doctors and mm-hmm. and uh, this year there was some information about the the, the racist history. Of yes, Seuss. right, right, mm-hmm. right. Had in the hat, you know, it's basically a character that was making fun of black people. But it's we we have to be aware of the images because you know the kids sometimes become aware of it before you do, and they kind of look at you funny, like why are you giving us this? We know who this, you know. So <laughs> we have to be aware of the images. And it's, uh, you know, again, I'm many times I'm especially concerned about the little black boys because they have so many negative images that they mm-hmm. can pick up and they want to imitate, you know, some, you know, you know, gangster rappers, gangsters in the neighborhood, whatever, but no positive things, very little positive stories about what a little black boy can do, how his imagination can be, can take, you know, so there's, so I, we need to encourage that more. Um, thanks for taking my call. Thank you. You know, I, I, let me just say this real quick and see what you all think. Very quickly before we go back to the ones. I was, I, you know, this is shows that even though I, I do think of myself as a fairly enlightened person who deals with lots of things all the time, and I don't mean in a egotistical way, I just I think you know that and and kind of address the depth of racism and race in our society, how important it is. But I was shocked. I mean, I never thought about Dr. Zeus as racist until I read the articles and started going mm. back to it. I was so disappointed. <laughs> it really hurt me to the core to think of that Dr. Zeus. You know, it really did. It really bothered me a lot when I read that piece. And I said, I started going through it again and went to the, the, the to Barnes & Noble just to look at some of the, the books and saying, what am I missing here? What did I miss? You know, I mean, it's, it was uh, very disheartening because mm. he was such a figure. That can be a whole show, Mark. We need to get you an extended contract. <laughs> yeah, because that delve yeah, deep. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it would be a, it would be a, a, a deep show because when we talk about Walt Disney mm-hmm. and we talk about mm-hmm. Dr. Seuss and we talk about the Cosby Kids and we talk about Jen Henson with Sesame Street, all four of those generations have grown up on. But that's another show. <laughs> Well, we, we we have a podcast. We can come back. And yeah, do that. yeah, yeah. That's we a can podcast. That. We can explore that. Yeah, we yeah. Love, that'd be really interesting to do. Four one zero three one nine eighty eight eighty eight. Let's go to Owusu. You're on the air, line one. Yeah, yes. Good morning, uh, Mark. Good morning, Owusu. Excuse the background information. I'm at a Detroit airport in, in the middle of a flight. But I just wanted to pass on two things. Like uh, I noticed, uh, Edith Pratt was mentioned a, a few times. When I was ten years old, I remember a lot during that North and Pennsylvania misspell. And she had a, a reading program during the summer. I'd go in and, and uh, kept, uh, tell all about the book that she read. So that kind of got me started. But just more recently, I, I had a, uh, 
uh, the Black History Quiz Bowl at Southern University for 23 years, and five years ago, I started doing it at the elementary schools, and the kids are really, really enthused about it. And all the teams that participate in a book by or about uh, uh, African American uh, uh, author, they, they choose some of the, the heavy, heavy ones as well. Like it's, a, it's a range of uh, materials there. So, uh, and uh, I, I try to get as many books as I can from the black. A black bookstore in New Orleans, a uh, community book center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had to, uh, so Barnes and Noble, I thought to get some original, uh, some additional materials because the uh, black uh, bookstore didn't have enough, and there was only one children's book in the whole in the whole uh, bookstore that was. Mm-hmm. But uh, keep up the good work, Mark. Thank you. It was so good to hear from you too, as well. Uh, he'd been calling him for years, uh, and actually, we interviewed him not long ago for the project mm-hmm. he was working on. So it's good to actually meet listeners who become guests. Or that's always kind of cool. I kind of <laughs> like that. So let's go back to the phones. Let's, you might want to jump in real fast. I, I just want to say very, very David quickly: Miller. Baltimore has such a rich history, literary uh, history. Um, when you think about books and publishing, um, anytime you do a show on books, you got to uplift people like Paul Coates. Oh yes, and, and, absolutely. And black plastic, black, black classic, classic press, press has been a, 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 a mentor and an advocate and mm-hmm. sort of a national giant in uh, in publishing. And man, we got to give uh, brothers Nati a shout out at uh, everyone's books. Right. I remember, you know, when Nati first decided that he was going to open up a black bookstore in Pennsylvania. I mean, North and Penn, you know, down the street, people right. thought he was crazy. And everyone's place has one of the most successful. Um, Black businesses focusing on books at a time when um, we probably lost fifty percent of the black bookstores, man, in the last fifteen years, man. Mm-hmm. They they're closing, and so we got to definitely give a shout out to everyone's place, mm-hmm. and they have a tremendous selection of of books for both uh, adults and children. Mm-hmm. It's a great bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good spot, and it has been around fifteen, twenty years. It's been a while, it's right? It's been a long time. It's been a long, long time. Longer than that. Well, it's been long, yeah. Four, four, yeah. Four one zero three one nine eighty eight eighty eight. Let's go to Dwayne. You're on the air. Line three. Hi, Dwayne. You there? Uh, Dwayne, you're on oh, the air. You're on the air. Oh, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I this must have been an accidental phone call. I wasn't trying to call. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, Nobody we running out of time, you. brother. Get to the point, man. <laughs> you gotta be ready, man. Come on, come on. No, I, I, I well, I, I do, I do want to say that uh, you know. This has been a, a really great discussion. Number one, number two, um, you know what uh, are the thought processes um, around, uh, um, are, are there any programs around the city that uh, I can join in order to encourage more African American youth to read? Programs around the city to encourage young African American kids to read. I would I would circle back with the Pratt. I think the Pratt mm-hmm. would be your best um, good source, good best resource. Yeah, I mean, because they're, they're doing work every day. Yes. They mm-hmm. actually have special programs all summer long for yes. kids. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need volunteers. They need tutors. And they get incredible children's librarians there, yeah, and yeah. They, 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 they do really serious work. Uh, let us go to Brian. You're on the air, line four. Good uh, afternoon. Uh, good morning, actually. Um, I, I was listening to the, um, the caller that called in and was talking about motivating um, motivating families uh, to read, and it, it occurred to me that this 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 topic is much more is much bigger than reading. And I'm sorry if you guys went over this. I've sort of joined the show a little late, but the issue is is really much larger than than literacy. But 
really it's, it's getting people motivated to, to read is really about getting people motivated to learn mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. to understand what the purpose of education is. And I think within the African-American community, uh, over time we have, we have lost education as, as a means or a source or, 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 or a, a point of cultural capital, and we've replaced it with other things. And I think when we, when we move back to understanding the value and the necessity of education and make that primary, then reading will be a reading, increased reading, and reading for understanding and, and learning for a purpose of uplift and, and community development and, and self-improvement, then, then we'll, we'll get people motivated to read. But, you know, Mark is right. I worked with Mark years ago back at Randallstown High School, but he's right in that. You know, you have to start with with people's with what people like, and and build from there. So, so I just wanted to, to th- bring that point. Thank you. We're almost out of time, so I want to get a chance for people to respond very quickly. We only have like two minutes left. I just have uh, just closing points, and I just think that this we really Booker. had to understand that there's a need for literature, and children really do like to read. And if we encourage children to read more, we will hear less stories about children bleeding and dying in the city. I, I think agree. that that is my parting words, that literacy is a panacea. Children are super excited about reading. We just have to address the access issue, and we got to focus more um, in the black community around writing and disseminating um, books. Um, some of the best experiences that I've had in this country have been sitting down with young people, introducing them to fun characters. 20 seconds. Or less even. I just want to thank um, both Mark and David for bringing this conversation to the forefront and, and reminding us of how important children's books are, but also their reflection being um, exhibited in those books are. Dr. Kimberly Moffitt, David Miller, Mark Booker, great to have you in the house. Great, great conversation. Sorry we can get all the calls. And a lot of people were inspired by this conversation. I'm so happy we could get it done and get it on the air here. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Mark. And we are going to take... Uh, our leave today, but we'll be back tomorrow morning. Two more days with y'all, and we're looking forward to that. The Mark Steiner Show is a production of the Center for Emerging Media. Our lead producer is Calvin Perry. Our editing producer is Ellie Post. Our engineer is Andre Melton. Our theme music by Walt Matthews of Clean Cuts. Send me your thoughts about today's program to talk at steinershow.org and leave your email so you can be on our email list to podcast the Mark Steiner Show and share it with your friends. Visit us on the web at steinershow.org where you can leave your email as well so you can continue participating in our work or listen to us via your favorite podcasting app. And for your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community, I'm Mark Steiner. Take care.